Welcome to Parents on Pictures podcast. My name's Damien. I'm Andy. I'm Matt. I'm Sam. And what we do each and every episode is we take a film from a popular streaming uh, platform like Netflix, Amazon Prime, YouTube, Disney Plus, and we uh, come in here after we've all seen it and we talk about it and we decide whether you should bother wasting or enjoying your time with these particular films. The whole point of this, of course, is because we're all very busy parents with jobs and we're trying to save you all some time, given that there's so much stuff out there to watch. I mean, Netflix is releasing stuff at an alarming rate, especially given that we're in isolation. So it's like, what the heck do you watch? And we're going to try and help you with that. This episode, we are on 21 Bridges, which is an Amazon Prime, uh, or this is on Amazon Prime at the moment. And this is where I'd normally pass over to somebody, but given that this is my pick for this week, I'm just going to read a quick synopsis and then we're going to open the floor for a little discussion. So 21 Bridges, an embattled NYPD detective, is thrust into a citywide manhunt for a pair of cop killers after uncovering a massive and unexpected conspiracy. So gents, having seen it, What's your initial impressions? Like, what were you expecting going into this? If you'd seen any trailers, and what was your initial like? Oh, okay, that's that then. I'd seen the um, the trailer on Amazon because I'd had it on my watch list, and it, it popped up a few times. Um, and I was expecting big action, kind of John Wick levels of action the whole way through, kind of a big, kind of on your on the edge of your seat thriller kind of film. Yeah, I I guess my expectation, well, I knew that it was Chad McBoseman and I kind of thought where well, he's got sort of the star power now coming off the back of Black Panther and the the uh, Avengers movies and things like that. Um, so I guess my, my expectation was that probably this was going to be fairly nuts and bolts. Um, and, but it would be certainly fairly slick and well done. It looked like the type of thing from looking at kind of like the trailers and looking at the people attached to it, that certainly there would be a good bit of money, good bit of influence involved in, in, in it being kind of a, I guess, uh, a, a high value um, uh, Hollywood film. Yeah, I, I read the synopsis. I didn't manage to see a trailer, but I, I expected a, a high, high octane action thriller um with with new york at the center um and 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 seeing what how new york reacted to this uh this particular problem yeah see it was similar for me is especially when obviously with chadwick boseman as as you already said sam off the back of black panther he's got a bit of star power behind him but also the russo brothers are involved in this as well albeit just as producers so you know these days it doesn't doesn't yeah. take an awful lot to get your name on a film as a producer, especially an executive producer. Sometimes you could just read a script and you're a producer. So how much involvement they actually have with this film is hard to say, but they were really, really selling it on the back of the success of the Russo brothers and Chadwick Boseman, both or all three technically from obviously the Marvel films that are involved in and the massive success that they had. I also thought it would be kind of like a cross between, I don't know, Die Hard in New York, as opposed to just the building. It's the whole of New York now, and a bit of a, a bit of a thriller and a, and a manhunt. And to some extent, you did get the manhunt element. And yeah, I think 
I think with the trailers as well, John Wick is a good callback, as I expected some really high octane, fast paced, neatly cut action to go along with this uh, thriller type film. But obviously, we've seen it now. So why don't we use the thriller and action as a jumping in point here? Or lack thereof. Yeah, this is what I was trying not to say. <laughs> I thought that as as far as the, the thriller part of it was, in my opinion, fairly straightforward. Mm -hmm. I'd seen that part of this film a hundred times before. Doesn't matter whether it's in a building, whether it's across New York, whether it's across the whole of America, you know, chasing killers down across state lines and all that jazz. I've seen this a hundred times before, but I think yeah. the movie makers are aware that you've seen this a hundred times before as well. Yeah, I, I kind of felt the same thing. It was very much um, sort of, uh, and, and to, to steal a phrase from Mark Commode, uh, tab A goes into slot A, you know, sort of a, a movie by paint the numbers kind of type thing. Um, you knew exactly what the beats were. You knew what you were you were expecting to see, what you were expecting to come up. Um, it didn't do anything dramatically original. Um, but that said, it did it very well without sort of, this is going to sound damning with faint praise. It's like, if, you know, if you were, this movie is a bit like, kind of like a hamburger. You know, it's not that tough to make a hamburger, but you can still make a good hamburger or a bad hamburger. And I would say in terms of the, the quality of this, yeah, you know, you could tell it was something where they had, you know, talented people there. There were some shots in there that I actually, at the start, there was, I think it was a sort of an overhead shot of all of the police officers at the funeral. Yeah. I thought, ah, that's actually quite shocking. Um, and that kind of threw me off a bit because I was like, oh, this is, that's quite interesting what they've done there. And then it kind of just dived straight back into um, <coughs> like the same kind of well-trodden territory. Yeah, I think you're right there in that this is what struck me about the film. And I, I, I personally don't think it was well made. I think that those, those few shots that are scattered throughout the film, you get some really nice aerial shots. Those shots scattered in between some incredibly lazy filmmaking. And considering Brian Kirk, the director, considering his background, in, you know, he's directed Game of Thrones. He's directed big, big productions it all felt incredibly easy. Um, I don't think there was anything, uh, you know, occasionally we'd get this shot and I'd be like, that's cool. And then I'm straight away back onto very lazy filmmaking. Um, you know, the, the camera was slow to move. It, it was sometimes it was all over the, like jumping all over the place. And I just, uh, I couldn't get on with it at all. Yeah, I, I I really struggle with this film. Um, action movies uh, are not my my genre of movie. Uh, I went into open minded, and I thought that um, I was in the, in for some uh, some interesting storylines with with potentially some 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 social commentary on, and I felt it had a potential to redeem itself there, um, and it it ignored a, a lot of what I thought it was going to talk about. Um, the action, if I'm perfectly honest, I couldn't wait for it to to finish. I think it, it, it um, it, I was bored of of gunfights by the end of this film. <laughs> Put it that way. And and I agree, Andy. There was a few fantastic shots, but 
but the rest of the time I felt it was slow and 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 rather a, a bit boring in places. Yeah, there were some gorgeous establishing shots of New York, you know, some real time and effort been put into those establishing shots. And New York's a beautiful city anyways, so it's not difficult to shoot it well, but even so, those shots were shot well. Mm. Coincidentally, we've, I think, probably the three films that we've done all together as a group have all been New York-based films, I mean, which is really interesting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and what's interesting is when we look at something like, um, uh, I want to call it Marriage Story. Mm -hmm. um, that was set partly in New York, or you know, a lot of it in New York, and you didn't get those established shots. It didn't rely on New York to become that meta character of the film, whereas this film relies heavily on New York's characteristics in order to tell that story. The actual setting of it, I mean, the 21 Bridges part of it is, is so important. Um, I don't know, I didn't like that. I felt, I really liked in Marriage Story that we're in New York, but we're not gonna focus on New York. Whereas this is, we're in New York and look, we're in New York. And again, we're in New York and we're in New York and we're in New York. And you're just like, oh my God, we get it. You're in New York. We had, had a potential there to, to really, um you know, locking down New York in the, in the way they did. There, there was there was no there was no aftermath, no no effect of them locking down New York. Mm. I think they missed a real treat there. You know, there was no. Who did it? Yeah. Who locked down the bridges in New York better? Uh, I was going to say Dark Knight Rises. Absolutely, but, um, Christopher Nolan. Yeah, Christopher yeah. Nolan did this better. That's that's the mm. major thing for me. Is that you know I've seen this done before but I've seen it done a billion times better. See, yeah. for me, the, the, the most disappointing part was, and I, I would imagine that they would have had a discussion along these lines and maybe opted a different direction. But if you're going to shut down New York in an attempt to catch two people, you had a great opportunity to bring in a sense of claustrophobia mm -hmm. if you'd only focused on the killers themselves and their mm. struggle. Now, we did focus on them a little bit because that was integral to the twists in the story. Um, but you, for me personally, mm. not once did I feel that the police were actually closing in on them and making yeah. their movement and their freedom harder and tighter as they were getting through the film itself. And that was a great opportunity missed there for that great sense of claustrophobia. And another comparison, um, I guess, to a film that does it really well. I don't know if any of you guys have seen 71 which is a fictional story of um, a soldier trapped in a like an IRA um, controlled area um, during the Troubles. Um, he's been separated from his unit. And that is, again, the word claustrophobic. Literally, this guy is, you know, hiding behind walls in gardens. He can hear people running down the street to find him. And, and yeah, you just didn't, you didn't get it. I was just thinking, yeah, they closed the bridges. And, and it's kind of like, I, I'd written down, it's very low concept. The, the, the premise of this film is, what if we had to close all the bridges? And there is nothing, there's no point where, like, they never bring it up again. We have the establishing, oh. like the shots of the police cars and the big New York vistas. And then literally it doesn't matter at all that those um, bridges and tunnels have been shut. Absolutely. 
for a city that never sleeps, um, you know, it would cause um, <laughs> yeah. more problems with the island being shut off. And, and not once did, I, did, mm. did we see anyone annoyed that they couldn't get to a certain area. Yeah. Or, and know, for a city that never sleeps, there was not that many other people around mm. that city at night. <laughs> <laughs> And like, sort of segueing on to sort of like we're talking about sort of some of the, the easy choices and things that have been done sort of, you know, I guess very simply or very, without much effort. I also thought in terms of narrative, in terms of story, everything was super easy. The, the, the detectives did not have one false step. They walked into the room and they knew exactly what happened. They were like <laughs> gunshot there, bullet hole there that person died, there were only three people, not five people. Yeah. They just knew it straight away. They went straight to the woman that was like, hey, I'm Mrs. Exposition. I'm going to explain all the backstories of these characters. <laughs> they were, literally, the, the only, I guess the only false step, which was the completely obvious one, was that, oh no, it's actually uh, uh, you know, a, a, job, a, a job gone wrong and there are the bad guys, um, you know, spoiler alert, oh no, the bad guys are the police. Um, that was like, Okay, but we all knew that. <laughs> we all saw that. Going off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay, I mean, given... super scathing. I think we know where the recommendation. Not right, right. Yeah, yeah. Given that we've kind of touched we on this stage, the twist yeah. <laughs> already, um, was anybody surprised by this twist? I was surprised by the fact that there wasn't more said about this. This is a film that was made in 2019. Um, right when, you know, at this point we've seen um, the Black Lives Matter movement throughout America and the world. And this is a film that could have touched upon and, and really got to grips with that had they just taken the time to explore it in a bit more detail. This kind of police brutality, this corruption within the police. But they didn't explore it at all. It was almost a throwaway feature it didn't really matter i think one of the reasons that we had as sam very nicely put mrs exposition and they didn't make a wrong step and all that jazz is because beyond the twists at the end i don't think the story mattered to them at all so everything was throwaway they right. were just trying to get through the beats as quickly as possible i mean the running time is an hour and 39 with credits um, so it's not exactly a long film for a thriller, especially mm. in the day and age where cinema goers are actually used to watching, you know, two hour films at this stage. Um, and it, I, I enjoy that in terms of a cinema trend because it allows the filmmakers to spend more time developing their characters and fleshing out the story. Um, but there was none of that here. And I don't, you know, they, they could have done it with any number of things, but I think they just chose to, for one reason or another, rush through the story, show a bit of action and get to the twist at the end, which because I don't think anybody in this room and probably anybody in any room was not exactly particularly surprised by that. It, for me, it didn't land I mean, and they tried to pull a double twist as well. So, yeah, the police chief and some of the police are corrupt. Oh, no, wait, the person that Chadwick Boseman has been running around with all night, she's corrupt as well. Ah, it's like, yeah, yeah, we, we all knew from the moment she, uh, she partnered up with him. I mean, she, she wrote it. She didn't write it, excuse me. She, um, the writing was on the wall. You've got Chadwick Boseman, which is they try to set him up as a loose cannon. Oh, he's the police officer that shoots a lot of people. Um, although obviously he 
justifies each and every single one of his killings. And so the first thing that she asks him when they actually become partners hunting these two down is, uh, you know, you're going to have my back. I'm with the right cop. You're going to kill them if the chance is there. You're going to save my life. I've got a daughter at home. It's like, okay, so basically she wants you to kill them. And that's why you're here because nobody wants these people to survive. That's because everybody's corrupt. Oh, what do I thought that bit. Go on. Sorry. I, I think we were actually probably meant to, to know that from the very beginning, you know, the police turning up at this, this building. Um, it's, it's no surprise what they were there for. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, I, I think how, how he found out was extremely sloppy. Why he f- started feeling sorry for this criminal that had shot, was it seven, eight policemen in the beginning? Why he started feeling sorry for him and then, and then believed, that there might be something on this thumb drive that he mentioned. Um, I just, that, that, that's the point. I just, what the hell's going on here? What, yeah. <laughs> I thought he was meant to be ruthless. Um, yeah. And, and as well, I get, this is a bit of a throwaway one, but I, again, when they, they cut to the intelligence room, which I'm assuming was the entire budget of the New York police force or whatever they to, to have this, which I'm, I don't know, maybe somewhere that room does exist, but I guarantee you that not in any a government agency does that room exist where they have all people with computers and go and have big pictures on the wall of here's the guy. Yeah, and here's yeah. everything we know about that. Yeah. That, that's just a bit of a, a throwaway, but again, that <laughs> just a bit of a frustration from, from my side, but yeah, again, yeah, the, the, him sort of him being the the one guy that they relied on to to you know be trigger happy, but then also was the one guy that would listen to his story, and and then it plays back to all. But his character flaw is his father was shot, so he shoots people, and it's like okay, so I get an understanding how he's going to be redeemed um, or whatever. But yeah, in terms of his character arc, non-existent. He's the same person as he was at the start of the film as he was at the end of the film. Yeah. Um, does not does not in any way shape or form learn anything or change as is why is why I thought yeah and and they they tried to set up um that you know they tried to set up his morality in terms of not shooting um the you know one of the killers at the end because he earlier in the film tries to explain that he only ever shot when he felt it was necessary. And so he's not actually the trigger happy person. He just happens to be in a lot of situations where he needs to shoot people. I don't know. The whole thing was sloppily done. Uh, they, the, the setups weren't set up properly. The knockdowns were rushed and horrid. Um, and the overall plot, there was nothing thrilling about it for a thriller. So it's like, and I, and I was really this because I, I am the person that goes to watch this type of film. This is my type of film. You got Chadwick Boseman and you've got Sienna Miller, you know, in a, in a, a manhunt. I mean, I love the fugitive. There's a manhunt film. Go watch that one. Um, and if you want to see an action film where it's a manhunt and it's done really well, go watch almost any one of the other Bourne films. Um, and this is the problem when you're retreading old ground you need to offer something either visually spectacular like say John Wick I mean that's just a revenge story it's even a ridiculous one he's revenging the memory of his wife because they killed his dog I mean you don't get much more ridiculous than that but they didn't do any of it well and that is a problem 
and I think I think someone may have already mentioned this, but there were there were kind of little glimmers that they could have done. So there could have been some things that they could have touched on. You know, I think there was a bit where J.K. Simmons' character, you know, says something about you know the public. What 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 do the public care about us? And I thought, ah, oh, you could you know if you actually explored that and got got into the psyche of you know the American police force and and you know this this uh, we've we've been discussing beforehand that it's interesting watching this in the current climate and with what's going on with law enforcement in the states and with you know the the terrible things that we've seen and um but it's really interesting that um that I, I just think some of the things that they kind of touched on but then just sort of trampled over mm. but the idea that it's really normal for that the American police to shoot people. It's not, um, uh, again, I've, I've referenced the Behind the Bastards podcast and they, they talked about um, this guy called David Grossman who is responsible. He, he's he's a, a, he's been a, a part of the military in America. Uh, he's not a scientist or a philosopher, but apparently he's come up with this, uh, his, his, um, basically his gimmick, which is called Killology, uh, where he claims this is some kind of like, from, from spending time with people, I think he called it like interactive walkthroughs with people. And it's like you interview some soldiers. Um, I'm stealing a lot from the podcast here. But the general point is, this guy has trained a load, and his training is used across America in their law enforcement, and it essentially teaches cops that when they walk out on the streets, they're in a battleground, they are enemy. They are on er, enemy territory, and that basically, the public, as J.K. Simmons' character puts it, everyone is a potentially an assailant, and wow. that your life is more valuable than their lives, and you have a gun. Um, so again, I may be getting onto sort of more political ground or whatever, but I felt like there was a lot of stuff in this movie that was kind of just accepting that. Yeah, this is the this is the 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 world as it is. Um, I think it plays quite poorly with the current scenario and the things that have been going on recently. To pick up this movie and watch it now um, and see that, yeah. So how how did this? I know I know you know it's a gun battle. Of course, it's going to go one way or the other. But how did he deal out justice at the end? He shot everyone. <laughs> that that that's. You know, there's no legal process. And let's be honest, actually, if some of those guys survived, they probably would have got off because actually the legal system in any country is... is but you know who very, he didn't yeah. shoot? He didn't shoot the white mother. The enemy. <laughs> if you want to put a, a, a label to it, the character at the end that was left to survive was Sienna Miller's character, who's been established as a mother, so her life has value. Um, and, and so she was given the option even though she had a gun pointed to the back of chadwick boseman's head um she was given the opportunity to mm. hand herself in and, and again, is, is that just hollywood justifying not killing sienna miller i think so is that you can't kill a mother it's like i think she should have been killed for such a poor performance in this film <laughs> <laughs> Not in real life. Not in real life. At the end of this film, they should have gone. The character. The character. The character. That was terrible. Mm. Boom. Yeah. I've, yeah, I've seen a lot stronger performances from Sienna Miller. I mean, Sienna yeah. Miller is one of those that's a chameleon. She can play so many different types of characters. But she's a brilliant I've, actress. Yeah. She's a brilliant actress. And this is 
God, this is like a weekend away for her. It's like she just couldn't be bothered. It's almost like um, the Russo brothers said, hey, we're putting a studio together. Yeah. Let's get some of our mates and make a film. No matter what it is, we just need to get something out there so that the Russo brothers can say, hey, we've got a studio and we're releasing stuff. Yeah. Is that a case? Is that what happened here? Because it feels like it. Possibly. One, one redeeming um, aspect of the film, and I don't know it's because I don't watch these kind of films often, but but the music had me pumped from time to time. I thought the music was at points was was when, in some of the action films was really uh, engaging, and some of them it kind of it was stabbingly, you know, the hunting music was fantastic. I thought. I'm so glad you brought something positive to this pod today. Yeah, I, I, to. I, I, I was <laughs> going to say, so we've gone through all that. So what did we like about the film? And I think actually, Matt, to be fair, I agree with you there. I did enjoy the soundtrack to the film itself. Um, and, and in terms of a good action film, you should have music that does exactly what you've described, gets you pumped and ready for the action. That's the music's job. And I, I would agree with you in that sense. I don't remember the music at all. Usually the soundtrack stands out for me quite a lot in a film. So I don't know, maybe I just wasn't, get, maybe I zoned out, I'm not sure, but I didn't, I didn't get much from the soundtrack at all. I, I think um, I'd probably, again, I wouldn't say it's as memorable as other, uh, other um, scores for, for, mo for movies, but there were definitely points where I thought, actually this, this music, especially with some of the tenser scenes, some of the, the, the sort of gunfights, maybe the initial scene, where they are uh, uh, kind of uh, robbing the, the that restaurant. Um, so I, I would agree that that was a, a good part of it. I think if I was going to look at positives in terms of performances, I thought Chadwick Boseman was solid. Like it didn't make me it didn't make me think, oh, this guy is you know, the one trick pony, you can only do Black Panther. He's, he's, a, he, he's, a, he's an action actor. He, yeah. You know, he'll get more roles like that. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, I'd, I'd like a better story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'd like to see him in a better action film because I think he's got some action chops to him. I mean, we know it from um, Black Panther, although a lot of the end sequences in that was CGI, which was a real shame. But it, it's come under criticism for that many a time already. Um, but I wouldn't mind seeing Chadwick Boseman in this type of role again, but better written. I think that he has done a remarkable job with the schlock that he's been handed to play. And I think a lot of them are, is, is exactly that kind of situation. They've been given these characters to play, they're not very well fleshed out, and the actors have got to do all the heavy lifting. I think as he matures in his acting, he's going to be given those roles. I'm thinking of someone like Denzel Washington, mm. who, you know, Chadwick Boseman, for me, is like a young Denzel Washington, in that he's, he's good, he's really good, but he's not being given those really amazing opportunities early in his career. And Denzel Washington's career, is, he's only gotten better as he's gotten older. And so I, th I think a lot of that isn't his performance, I think it's his writing. God, Damien, are you gonna challenge me on that? No, 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 uh, a, a little bit. Okay, so if you don't know by now, I love bad films, like the ones that are so <laughs> bad that they're good, love them. If you have not seen it and, and you want to see Russell Crowe and Denzel Washington basically do this film <laughs> crazy, watch Virtuosity. Okay. Not heard if of it. You have not seen <laughs> I, I'm not surprised. I am not surprised no one's seen it. Seriously, 
you know, I'm not even going to talk about it because I might, if it ever comes on streaming or if I get the DVD, I'll lend it to you. We might have to cover it on this pod. Oh my, I have seen that film about a dozen times. So yeah, ladies and gents, if you go check out Virtuosity, you will be sorry. Don't take it seriously and you'll enjoy it. And I, I did think that, that um, he did well with like some of the lines. I felt, uh, you know, he delivered them well, but that said, I felt like, the dialogue that everyone was smarter than everyone else and and everyone i know that you get that in action movies you're going to have the catchphrases and things like that but it was it was kind of like i don't know everyone knew exactly what to say at exactly the moment to to make some pithy comment or to to mm -hmm. put someone else down no and and yeah maybe that's the type of film that it is and, and maybe I, I you know i shouldn't critique it too much but i did felt again it felt like one of those things that was just it was way too easy. If I was going to use an analogy, it was like watching, watching sort of like capoeira fighting where like from my understand, from my very basic understanding of like, you know, Damien, you might be able to, um, uh, uh, you know, shed some light if this is a good analogy. It's where it looks cool, but actually has no real substance in a street fight um, in comparison to like, actually, I don't know, maybe the dialogue from like a, a, a Tarantino movie which manages to be simultaneously gritty and but also smart and and just it hits those kind of little bits that like that's that's how people speak but you've done it in such a cool way whereas this was like no one speaks like this if it was me i'd be like well i'm the guy that does the i'm the uh, wait can you say your thing to me first and i've got something real smart actually. <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry long tirade <laughs> no that was great um just to very quickly go back to capoeira because uh, you got me there i for those of you who don't know i teach martial arts for a living although i don't teach capoeira um yeah capoeira was uh, developed in uh, brazil when it became illegal to learn martial arts and so they developed a martial arts form that looked like dancing so that they could say that they were learning how to dance, which is why all the techniques are hidden inside such elaborate movement. So it, it, it is basically <laughs> street dance meets martial arts. It's very strange. It's beautiful to watch. But you're right. And I take your point about the fact that the dialogue was very much... It, it was scripted and there was nothing natural about it. It's like, you said something, I've got a pithy line. We're going to keep going backwards and forwards. <laughs> this, is the, this is the first movie I've, I've seen him in. And um, from, from the get-go, I didn't believe him at all. I didn't, and, uh, you know, I don't know whether this was bad, bad script writing, but I didn't believe he was a badass. I didn't believe that he went around shooting people. Um, it, he just felt, yeah, unbelievable. He, I, I could have left it there, to be honest. He's, he's a badass because the script said so, not because he showed it. Yeah, yeah. a little bad job. <laughs> yeah. Chadwick Boseman, badass. And just having a look at who wrote Can it. Can I say, again... Go on. I was just going to say, um, on the, on, I guess, again not wanting to be overly controversial but i did make a note that i thought this movie would would play even worse if they hadn't cast a black actor in the main role for sure considering the current climate um yeah and i'm not saying that that in any way was kind of you know free foresight or anything like that but um but yeah there were certainly some points where i, where I was thinking to myself oh this 
this movie would would you know just watching it back now would be painful if um if the casting had been slightly different um uh, i mean maybe maybe there is a good a good thing in that that actually sort of the two antagonists or you know were facing off you know representing minorities and and that's possibly a, a good thing um but again probably not really intended um in in the way that it landed so it was it was released in 2019 so am i led to believe then that this would have been put together and filmed in 2018 or early 2019 so is this predating the political climate and a lot of this is coincidence no not at all this this is um i'm trying to think back to i'm going to find out so beyonce released a song um oh my goodness i can't remember what it's called now um she released a song a while ago that they played at the super bowl um and that had a lot to do with the black lives matter um i'm just finding it now and this was in 2016 oh, wow. so you know we're we're away in at this point and so um where is it da, 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 da. formation is what it's called um, and you know the the lines within this film um, is called formation, and you know one of the the lines that the chorus is um, we need to get information, as in get information and get information. And the whole video explores um, after Hurricane Katrina how white people and black people were treated very differently. With New Orleans being such a predominantly black area of America, uh, lots of people were left in complete poverty and left to die by by the US government and the police and stuff. And at the time when Hurricane Katrina hit, there was lots of looting and stuff like that going on within, within New Orleans. In the media, really, you know, the difference, but this is where a lot of this came up with the difference between a white person and a black person. A white person is getting food to feed their family, a black person is looting. And the, that's, that was the difference. And so Beyonce released this song, which kind of, there was other stuff going on at the time anyway. Barack Obama was particularly, um, uh, key to to kind of launching a lot of this within America, but I think Beyonce really shone a light within the mainstream media as to what was going on, and she was almost um, encouraging young black people to take a stance like the Black Panther movement around New York and and America, um, because when she performed at the Super Bowl in 2016, she dressed and her dancers all dressed in. Black Panther uniforms with the beret and, and all that stuff. So I think this has been going on a long time. I think that it's it's at the forefront of the media now because um, you know it's kind of it feels like it's getting worse and worse. And I, I don't know if it is, I, I don't know the, the the details there, but it's you know, by by the time this film was made and probably even by the time it was written, this is not new. This has been going on a long time. The, the film was set up to to have to potentially deal with some of these issues, but it but by by the mid by the middle of the film, I I just thought, well, this is just um, a good versus bad film. It wasn't commenting anything to do with race at all. Um, I think this is it. I think whatever statement it was trying to make, if a statement at all, it didn't pay any attention mm. to it, and ever. It's like, ah, we, we kind of gave it one line. It's a throwaway. Let's move on. Let's get to something else. Which... And again, yeah, some of the things that like they, they played into, that idea that actually, in the end, the bad guys were a few bad apples. Um, and it was, you know, it was, yeah. so it was a few bad apples, not 
a systemic problem mm-hmm. with violence in in the police yeah um which meant you know that i'm not saying that 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 tallies with the storyline or anything but it's something that you could actually maybe discuss and mm-hmm. should be discussed mm-hmm. and also and then you can tie that into and these guys are bad uh, because they're involved in in drugs and so then we have war on drugs mm-hmm. which is again something else which is very problematic that suddenly oh they're bad guys because they're involved with drugs mm-hmm. um and and again which there's a whole history of drug users being demonized um uh, as opposed to helped um and basically put in situations where they will they are not able to get out of the the situations that they're in because they don't have any kind of support um uh, so again it just not very very tone deaf in terms of dealing with those kind of subjects I don't think I'd be exaggerating if I was to say that I think this film is part of the problem in terms of looking at the bigger picture, Black Lives Matter, and the issues that are happening in America and around the world. I don't think I'd be exaggerating because the media is the one that perpetuates these stereotypes that we have. And I think it's films like this, those throwaway comments that are the ones that make the, excuse my French here, but the shit stick. And I think that films like this, when we see them time and time again, Damien, you were talking earlier about the genre. There's a a theorist called Steve Neal, who um, has a theory, I can't remember what it's called, um, but basically it's instances, genre, his genre theory, and it's instances of repetition and difference. And so this film had the potential to contain all of the, the tropes would expect from a thriller, that would expect from a cop film in America, set in New York, all of those things. But it, ha- it had the potential to have that difference, to make it stand out within its own genre, but it didn't. It didn't do that. And it just, all it did was, it was like a tick sheet. Does it, has it got this? Has it got that? Has it got this? Has it got that? And it was just doing all the things, again, very lazy, and as a result, I do think it is, it's perpetuating those bigger stereotypes of certain minorities in America. So, Matt, you've given us one positive thing already with the music. Can you offer us anything else? Because I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here for positivity on this film. I will, <laughs> hold on. Oh, I will give you one thing. I thought that there were moments in this film where the lighting was so beautifully done that what I was looking at was really nice. Like some of the places that you visited, some of the apartments that you went into, some of the streets and all that jazz, I really liked it. And I'm not saying that to be facetious or a pain in the ass. I actually, for some instances, looked at that and thought, you know what, I wouldn't mind watching some of this up on the big screen. Oh no, Andy's got, for those of you who are listening, Andy's got straws in his hand. What's he doing? Clutching at straws, Damien. That is what you're doing. <laughs> I liked, I liked the font in the credits. It was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Clutching at straws. <laughs> if we're going to discuss cinematography, I may as well discuss it. Thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, what, what is this film? I mean, it should have been a really inoffensive police thriller. Um, but I think, I think Sam, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head when you, you called it tone deaf. I think that's exactly what it is. Tone deaf. The people who are making this film were so unaware of the real world around them when they were making it that it is tone deaf. Mm. Yeah. 
to you know again without without I may be completely wrong on this, but it feels like a, a white guy's movie about black people. Um, and yeah, just the it's almost like the, the the privilege. And again, without being too sort of pretentious, but the privilege just kind of like transplanted onto Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman's character and other characters in it. Um, and, and, and they just kind of, yeah, just played out in this sort of bit of a pastiche. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I would probably agree, Andy, in a, in a very kind of, in a very kind of sort of low level way, innocuous kind of way, if that's the right word, I don't know if that's even a word, but it, um, it, it can be quite damaging, mm-hmm. um, especially, because it's very mainstream um uh and yeah it could have actually just been a, a fairly inoffensive action movie there are a lot of inoffensive action movies um but because it mishandled some of those key things um and also because of you know the way that things have played out since the start of the year um there's, the only thing i thought was funny was i did see a little sign about sheltering in place um, and 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 it made me go, oh, we're doing that at the moment, um, sort of thing. But um, and then it was interesting. You guys pointed out that you know people have protested to get a haircut, but everyone stayed indoors in this film. Um, yeah, it's like, you know, come on. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. And if you've ever walked around New York at night, you'll know it's, oh, it's busy. beautiful and busy. Love it. Yeah. Um, I, I want to make, because we've not really said much about the two killers themselves. The the one in particular is, um, I literally had his name in my head a second ago. And this is probably the problem. He's quite forgettable. Um, Taylor Kitsch. Mm. I want, I desperately want someone to give Taylor Kitsch something decent to do. After yes. the... Um, I, after his uh, trip to Mars um, w- with Disney, which I thought was a great film. Um, and then obviously his run as Gambit in the disaster that was that Wolverine rubbish. Um, I want to see Taylor Kitsch do something good. And this is not it. Uh, I feel that he's been sidelined as this additional character to any part of any film at this point in time did he play john carter yeah that, that's the that's the movie to mars I was that's what about. i'm thinking of yeah, yeah, yeah. Fact, when you said that, i just googled it mm. to see isn't that like the biggest flop in disney's yeah history <laughs> and i love that film I, how has he worked again after I, well there is that i desperately want this guy to do something good so mm. I'm just going to spend a minute very quickly on Taylor Kitsch's character. They set him up as a badass. He was the guy who was doing all the murdering. And I found that problematic. Not that he was doing all the murdering, but that his partner, who didn't do any killing, obviously, they tried to set him up as a sympathetic character even though he's doing something bad, who was redeemed because he managed to get some guy's hard drive to prove that the police were corrupt, even though they were chasing him because he tried to knock over a drug dealer. I mean, 
there are you made so that sound more complicated than it actually was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many problems with this, this film. Is itself. not that deep. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was very much like we need. Right, we've got some cookie cutters here. We've got we've got crazy dudes. Gun, you know, trigger happy dude. Uh, you know, with us Taylor Kitsch's character, we've got him there, and then we've got yeah, we've got the um, the the reluctant criminal that's just doing it for positive means, he wants to buy his mama a, a, a square meal or something like that, you know? Um, I, yeah, and, and I, I could see that straight straight away coming. And, and I think there's an early scene, again, plays very um, uh, poorly because, uh, because of the current situation where we're in. I think this is, again, and this is referenced in David Grossman's training of the, the police, this idea that I think Chadwick Boseman says something about soldiers in Vietnam or, you know, three of, only three out of 10 would have fired their rifles and seven of them pretended or whatever. And it's this justification of like, don't be one of those seven guys, be one of the three ones that fires your gun. Um, and then it's like, oh, so, okay, so you're going to have that little monologue um, and then you're going to go straight into a story where one guy fires his gun and the other one doesn't. And it's like, oh my goodness, is there any subtext? Mm. Like, are we are we literally just playing things straight out? And I, yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree exactly the same thing. I, I looked up the, the, the actors um, and I, 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 I haven't got the names down, but the one that plays the Michael, it looked like he'd been in some, some good films. Um, and again, some good films talking about the history of uh, kind of race uh, in, in, in um, America. And then, yeah, and, and I agree on Taylor Kitsch. There's something about him that feels like if things had gone slightly different, he could be someone with a real career. And I guess it's just the way it goes, that some people just don't have the stars aligned for them. Um, but unfortunately, for the, this is probably the type of role that he's going to get now, which is just kind of those slightly, you know, um, second, third line of the, the 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 cast, not really that well, you know, not a good part for him to play, but it's going to pay the bills, and he looks good. So yeah, yeah. the um, the guy who played uh, Michael was Stephen James, and you're right, he's done some cracking for so like um, race in 2016, if Bill Street could talk in 2018, Selma in 2014. I mean, this this guy, yeah, he's he's going to do well. He's going to do very well. Mm. I feel like I want to go back and watch some of those films instead, probably. Yeah, exactly. Probably a good thing yeah. to do. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you can tell that he's, he's got great acting ability. And again, it's all wasted. All wasted. Mm -hmm. By a poor script, I think. By the end of, you know, if we boil it down, I think it was just a, an awful yeah. script. Yeah, there were so many kind of things that, you know, and I'm not pretending to be any kind of expert, but there were so many sort of like moments where you were sort of thinking, ah, you're, you've literally just done all the stuff that we're told not to do. Like we had exposition lady and then Michael, uh, you know, um, at the point when he has a gun pointed at his head, then can very succinctly explain the whole plot of the film to us. And Chagwick was like, oh yeah, yeah, got it. <laughs> um, and that's not to say, you know, again, it's not to say he doesn't do a the best job he can do with what he's been given but yeah yeah so <laughs> before we go to what feels like um the inevitable recommend or not recommend i mean it feels almost as inevitable as the plot twist of this film um <laughs> would, would anybody else like to add anything before we wrap up because i think we're getting there 
only I just whilst you were talking I've, I've been doing just a bit of googling as to who's who on the film and interestingly the cinematographer Paul Cameron he's the guy who oversaw the cinematography on Westworld I don't know if any of you have seen uh, Westworld yeah that's some of the most beautiful cinematography I have ever seen in a television series mm. so I don't know if he well I don't know what happened here maybe it was limited budget maybe it was limited time I'm not sure but that's really surprising. surprising. Yeah. So it felt like everybody across all boards, directors, actors, writers, cinematographers, except the lighting guy, um, <laughs> were, was, was phoning it in. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird one, isn't it? Um, mm. I think it's definitely a case of um, not managing to be more than some of its parts um, yeah. and then being undercut by some of its parts being terrible. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think you're right. The, the one part I particularly enjoyed, uh, and I'll give you a good, good point, was when uh, he got shot through the door. Like the the guy who was going to clean their money from. Yeah, that was brilliant. Yeah, Just skimmed his eye. I'll be honest, fantastic. I didn't actually see that coming either. <laughs> no, nor did I. Not at all. So. Um, I, I, the guy who, for for you Star Trek fans out there, I love it when I see old Star Trek actors pop up in in films oh. the guy who got shot in the eye is called alexander siddig and he played bashir the doctor in deep space nine and he's actually probably other than obviously like sir patrick stewart and the like he's probably the one who's still got a half decent career i mean he's been in um quite a few films over the years and when he popped up it was just one of those moments where it's like oh i recommend i i know you from my childhood i remember deep space nine if at that point in the film we'd followed that guy we'd just kind of switched films in the middle of the film the camera crew had just decided we're not going to follow this story anymore we're going to follow the story with this money launderer I think that would have been a way... I'd have loved it. Because yeah. he was a really interesting character in this whole kind of very beige film where nothing's really exciting or anything like that. All of a sudden, this guy who's quite mysterious, he's a bit unusual, he's a bit different. I want to see that film. Yeah, he's interesting. But then, then it does the, the, the fatal floor again, like the New York police room with the information screens and everything, where he launders money just with multiple computer screens and some thumb drives. Right. And it's yeah, like, yeah. I, I don't know much about it, but I'm pretty sure it's a little bit more complex than it's a bit like when you see someone doing hacking in a movie and, and, um, and they just, yeah, tapping away on some keyboards and spinning around and grabbing an energy drink and boom, and they crack the mainframe. And I always remember someone saying to me, that's not how it works. Hacking is basically when people go through someone's bins to fish out their passwords that they've accidentally thrown away or what, you know, stuff like that. Right. Or when they get you to do personality tests that you, know, you put your date of birth in um, so that they can work out what your passcodes are. Um, yeah, that, that, again, that, that played a little bit frustrating for me that this guy just has this like little fortress and operates out there and a lot of the main cast. Yeah. Wasn't he, he was quite cool though. Like there was just something yeah. about him. I figured yeah. like, Maybe he's the got character that. was cool, but he was fundamentally stupid. Um, yeah. in, in the sense that, okay, so he has got what a massive door that they're taking forever to break through, but he forgot to use bulletproof glass for your <laughs> peephole. I mean, come on. <laughs> Sorry, 
up to up to that point, I was fully with the film, but when it got <laughs> to that, I was like, no. So I think that the red flag for this film before we watched it should have been the poster, right? And we none of us saw the poster, I assume. Okay. Uh, not well enough to remember it. Okay. So the poster is this, it's actually really it's a nice poster, really well put together. You've got um Chadwick Boseman holding a gun, looking mean, 21 bridges across the front. He's got his cop badge in the middle, right? But then to the side of him, you've got this tagline: the only way out is through him. Oh no. What? Oh no. <laughs> uh, I don't get it. <laughs> I have watched the film, I still don't get it. Right, exactly. <laughs> At that point, you go, mm, no, I'm all right, thanks. Who got out? Yeah. Nobody got out. Right. Where was he getting out? Because that's because they had to go through him. <laughs> <laughs> See? See? one of the things we teach so we do um for coursework at school we do the the um posters for films and stuff and use conventions and honestly i like i'm gonna give that a d like i'm not (laughs) i'm not even gonna warrant it a c simply because of that tagline like that's dreadful Reminds me of the scene from, I think it might have been from Hot Fuzz, where I think it's Nick Frost's character is just looking at the DVDs in the in the bargain bin, going, oh, super cop, meet the cop, but can't be stopped. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Well remembered yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> fans of that film in this house. Um, the, whilst we were talking, I was just looking up its budget, and actually I'm quite surprised to say that it is for a film with these people in it, it's only $33 million, which by today's standards for this type of film is actually quite low budget. And it did, it did wash his face, didn't it? It made about like 50. So oh, yeah. it, no, made it made it some, back. Yeah. but probably nowhere near what they were hoping for, but yeah. Not when you've got J.K. Simmons and Chadwick Boseman and Sienna Miller and, and, and you attach the Russo brothers name to it. It's like, you expect this thing to bank and it just didn't. Mm. Yeah. Right, let's. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. Should we, should, let, let's do this, shall we? Um, so, as is typical, I think because it's my film, I have to go last. Um, so let's let's go let's go around the room. We'll go Andy, Sam, and Matt. Well, yeah. uh, I'm not going to recommend this film. I think it would be a severe waste of your time to watch this when there are so many other brilliant films out there. Um, I think that it's lazy. I think that it's poorly made. Um, and I think it's a shame because you've got some outstanding actors, which will ultimately be the draw for this film, which you'll be very disappointed by the performances. So I am going to say don't watch this film um, unless you are a glutton for punishment. Sam, what did you think? Um, I'm going to be very on a very similar theme there. This is going to be a uh, non-recommendation for me. Yeah, it was just very, very throwaway, but in a very frustrating and inexcusable way in that they just took some really big themes, skirted over them and made a very problematic movie. I think my key thing, and I've written down here, and it'd be interesting maybe, to see what you guys think as well and uh, we've kind of touched on a few of them but actually i'd like to recommend films that are much better to watch that have similar themes um so i'd say if you're looking for uh, corrupt cops then go no further than watching the departed 
um, fantastic, fantastic mm -hmm. movie with the actual realistic ending of what should happen in those situations. Watch The Shield, the, the American TV series. Training um, Day. Tra I haven't seen Training Day. I, um, where, uh, uh, um, if, again, if you, want, if you want actually high stakes gun battles in kind of an urban environment, watch the film Heat. Uh, um, uh, again, that so much, and and the last one would be um, uh, Patriots Day with Mark Wahlberg, which is kind of like it, it strays into that kind of like popcorn action movie territory, but with the fact that it's a real life uh, situation, and that that they play out an actual how do you actually hunt down these people um, uh, in a in a in a real situation? It just yeah. So those would probably be my four recommendations for films and TV that you should watch before you go anywhere near this. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, three out of four, I won't recommend this film to anybody. Um, it did have potential to be good, um, but I think a, a safe and predictable storyline let it down. Um, like Andy said previously, it's some dodgy dodgy cinematography and 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 I, I, it was just i found it boring i you know hour and 38 minutes isn't a long film i wanted it over within 45 minutes if i'm honest so i wouldn't waste your time so gents i feel like i have to apologize given that this is my recommendation and i know that some of us only get the chance to watch one film a week so for that i'm truly sorry i thought you were about to apologize and say i'm sorry but i recommend it Plot twist, <laughs> just like Sienna Miller, the final plot twist. I'm going to recommend this. <laughs> Am I? F no, I'm not recommending this pile of horse manure. Um, actually, I'm kind of hoping that this podcast doesn't get big now because if this one goes out, <laughs> I'm going to have Chadwick on my dot. What did you say about horse manure? I'm sorry, Mr. Bosworth. No, no, but the thing is, we've we've said the whole way through that he's better than this. So I don't think we are. And that's the thing. You've got Brian Kirk, the Russo brothers, Chadwick Boseman. All of oh. them are better than this. That's the AK point. Simmons. Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. They are all better than this. Sorry. I've no, I've, no, not at all. Not at all. I'm the one who's apologizing because when I when I saw the trailer and I saw the premise, I was like, okay, cool. So I've seen it before, but it's looking kind of slick. It's looking kind of cool. Well done, trailers. You did your job. You marketed the film. But there is literally no substance to this film. There is nothing to it. The action is mediocre. Um, the the cinematography is lazy. The script writing is non-existent. The acting, they're doing the best they can with the rubbish they've been handed. Um, it's just everything except the lighting is absolutely appalling in this film. And so, no, no, I'm not recommending this to anyone. My wife loves action films. It's one of the types of genres that we will watch together. I'm not even going to recommend that she watches this because I think she'll sit down and she'll fall asleep because she's a, you know, a busy, tired mum. Right. Dang. There you have it. I think that's a first. That's four non-recommends in that not-so-plot twist because I think you saw that coming just like the film from the moment we started talking. I almost right. called you as soon as we'd, uh, I'd finished watching this. I almost called you, Damien. I was like... Are you sure you want to actually discuss this film? <laughs> I'm really glad you didn't, because I might have backed out. 
but I think it's I think it's good because it is, it is the type of thing that will crop up on the yeah. you know the recommendations on on your uh, and 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 yeah we can we can kind of play against that a bit and I think it's interesting as well because I think if you look at like reviews scores and being sort of the aggregators like it has a low critic score but actually a fairly high user score um and so I think it probably plays to I don't know, lowest common denominator. I, I just feel like, you know, again, without being pretentious, you know, I'd rather watch something like this and tell you not to watch it mm -hmm. and then recommend something like Uncut Gems where you might actually have a chance of, you know, getting something more visceral and more challenging. So, you should have seen the Go look on Andy's face. <laughs> Which would you rather watch? The moment you said Uncut Gems, you're like, I would watch, I would watch Uncut Gems ten times if it meant Whoa. I could watch this again. And, wow. But guys, okay. one, one thing, this film has brought us together. It's the first film we've all agreed on. I think you're right. I think Matt's got a really good point. There we go. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, 21 Bridges. We yeah. are united <laughs> in our hatred. Together. <laughs> the only oh, way man. out. Is through him. Oh, I, th I think we're gonna have to. Um, I think we're gonna have to leave it. Uh, I, I, something cropped up in my brain. It went straight out again, so it couldn't have been very important. So it doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, that, I'm kind of at a loss here. That was a waste of everybody's time. That's what I was gonna say. Sorry for my sorry for my stalling. Um, we're in a unique position because the people who saw it may well have gone to the cinema and seen it, and that's where the general rating would have come from. But obviously, the point of this podcast is, is there anything else to watch? Should I be wasting my time with this or going to find something else? And in this case, 100%, leave this alone. Go and find a film that does this, but better. If you've got Netflix, Amazon Prime, and Disney Plus at your disposal, even if you've only got Amazon Prime at your disposal, you will find a thriller action film better than this even if you've only got youtube you'll find it <laughs> you'll find a cat video that's better than this <laughs> that is the official stance of this podcast leave this film alone go watch cats on youtube i would actually be really with putting that in the podcast description this uh, this episode <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> before we have any uh closing statements would anybody like to add anything for this evening no that's exactly what i <laughs> but andy in terms of social media where can you find us mate so find us we're on facebook instagram um youtube twitter get on there find us uh, parents on pictures podcast there's four beautiful faces in a little circle Get on there, give us a like, share what you like about the podcast, share what you don't like. Let us know about what you think. You might you, <laughs> you might have watched this film and thought it was Oscar worthy. Um, but let us know what you think. That'd be really good. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. We are always up for a little bit of a debate. Um, and in terms of uh, audio, we are on our main uh, hosting platform is Anchor FM, but you can also find us on Spotify and iTunes, all on Parents at Pictures podcast. Again, you'll see the same lovely faces in our logo on there as well. Um, before we skedaddle, it uh, looks like Andy, you got something to say? Sorry, dude. Only just that next week we're going to um, look at something ever so slightly different. We're looking at Planet of the Humans by Michael Moore. Uh, or not by Michael Moore, actually, by um, Jeff Gibbs, but produced by Michael Moore. Um, I was led, well, I'll talk about that next time, it doesn't matter. Anyway, Planet of the Humans, and it's a, a documentary, so I think it's going to be an interesting one, because there's quite a lot 
in, I don't know if you guys have watched it yet, but there's a lot to talk around the subject. So I think it's going to be quite an interesting one. Awesome. And Sam and Matt, have you got any projects or upcoming things that you'd like to talk about before we skedaddle? Nothing from my side at the moment. Just, um, uh, well, I've been trying to trying to make sure that I'm continuing to be uh, creative in lockdown, but there's been a lot of big questions to be asked around how to, to do that and how to um, uh, kind of switch mindsets and things like that which is really interesting. I think a lot of people are going through the same sort of challenges around that. So that's me at the moment. Nothing else to shout about at this, at this stage. Awesome. And Matt? Nothing from myself. No, no. Still enjoying furloughed life. Hey. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been a rather disgruntled Parents on Pictures podcast this episode. Thanks for your time, and we'll catch you another. Bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.